Hello, everyone, and welcome to Marvelous Movie Mondays with Kelsey and Dill. Um, I am Dill, the second half of that. This is Kelsey. Um, and maybe there are 30 other Kelsey and Dills out there in the multiverse. I'm sure we'll uh, discuss the <laughs> multiverse at length. Uh, but Kelsey, how are you doing? Day after we saw the movie of uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, that is the review you are all here to see. Um, Kelsey, how you feeling? 24 less than 24 hours removed from seeing this film where's your brain at um well first of all i'm tired because we did see a rather late viewing and then we both had to get up for work the next day and i've just and we're both about to go away for like yeah. a few weeks so i just feel like i've been non-stop running 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 and honestly dill i sat down to write my notes about this movie and i was so worried that i was gonna forget about something major that happened but i feel like i hit all of the major points when i was going back and like oh yeah like this happened and this happened and this happened mm. um because while i was watching it i felt i it's not that i felt overwhelmed in a bad way i guess i just was like oh wow there's a there's a lot to keep up with with this one like we're, we're meeting a lot of new people there's a lot of new yeah. things happening so i was i was nervous that I wasn't going to retain it all for this review, right. but I think I actually did pretty well for myself. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of like why the Spider-Verse movies are so interesting is because you're right. It, it does overwhelm you, but I don't think that's necessarily negative. And we talked a little mm -hmm. bit uh, when we did our review for the first Spider-Verse movie, which you can check out. We did it a few months ago as part of this like animation double feature with Big Hero 6. But mm -hmm. we talked about like how there's a lot going on, but somehow the actual basic premise is pretty clear cut. It's kind of like the details yeah. and the everything else. that's a little more convoluted, but even then it's still easy to follow because inherently this is an animated movie. It's for kids or not just kids, but families. Like it has to be somewhat able to follow. And that's what I feel right. like most MCU is as well is, you know, like you still have to cater it to a, it's like what we call four quadrant movies. It fits every single age, every single race, gender, all that um, to where these Marvel movies have become such a widespread appeal uh, both animated and live action. And I think especially here, I think also with the visuals, and we'll talk about the visuals, but I think the visuals, a lot of what we're going to say today, we said back when we talked about Into the Spider-Verse, it's just the visuals are so good, but also so informative and so like indi indicative of what the comic book natures are of the story to where even if there's a lot of plot going on, it's so easy to follow because the movie guides you through it well without like mm -hmm. holding your hand and spoon feeding it to you like you're a dumb two-year-old either you know it really mm -hmm. does a good job in how the information is conveyed and I, I really think i mean spoiler alert i love this movie and i think it really is because there's so much thought put into it but it doesn't become overstuffed to the point where it feels hard to grasp uh yeah. but it still feels like you're getting your meals worth it's like the hardiest steak and potatoes you could get but you know, it's, it's not spicy. It's just really well seasoned. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's the best analogy I can make. Cause, cause no, I think of this good. trilogy as one big meal, you know, like you get your first mm -hmm. appetizer, which is like, Oh, what an amazing appetizer, great scallop risotto dish or whatever, where like my palate is, is, is on fire in a good way. Like I, I'm, I'm ready to taste more Then this is like the meat and potatoes this is the crux of what I think this whole trilogy is like the thesis of this trilogy is said in this film. And then I think the next one's going to be like the dessert. Like, can we stick the landing? Even if they don't stick the landing, I think the first two courses were so good. I think we're still going to remember the meal fondly. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But let's get into it. I mean, the best way to go about this is just talk about the general thoughts we had. And then I guess we can get into spoiler specific stuff. Cause there is obviously a lot of spoiler stuff, but sure. Kelsey, do you want to tell us the basic premise, I guess, of the movie or 
um, whatever you're able to say non-spoiler wise in, in case anyone hasn't seen the movie and wants to know. Sure. So honestly, I wrote this down and I was like, is that even what it's about? I don't know. <laughs> so first of all, we got three new directors from the first movie to this movie right. deal, which was interesting because it didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. And like, it didn't, it, I don't know. It didn't feel like this drastic change in the creative team happened. Like right. it still felt very reminiscent of mm-hmm. the first movie that happened. Yeah. Just everything what, was bigger and, and more heightened yeah. and, and all that. Yeah. And I think what animation studios do interestingly is like, even if you have different directors credited, you still have a lot of the same animators and team. Like a lot of the directors yeah. on this film were like creative people on the last film and the directors mm-hmm. of the last film are still creatively involved in this one. So like, it does feel like it's all birthed from the same roots it's just the tree yeah. may look a little different um, but yeah i agree like it does feel very tonally in line and visually in line with the first film um despite having new directors on board but the directors we got are also great i mean kemp powers is you know she did so yeah. it's it's really cool yeah. yeah so kemp powers is one of them justin k thompson and i'm going to butcher this but to my this is my educated guess as to say this name joaquim dos santos yeah, Joaquin, Joaquin, uh, yeah, Dos Santos. Yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, who is for those who don't know the head like of creative for Avatar: The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. So a big part of obviously my childhood. I don't know if Kelsey, if you were a big Avatar or Korra person. Uh, Last oh, Airbender. as in like the Last Airbender? Yes, yeah. love yeah. So, Avatar: so The Last Airbender. Yeah, he he's a big director in in that uh, show in that series. So, um, and, and I think it shows, I think it shows. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is the little summary that I wrote down. Okay. After accidentally creating his own villain, Miles Morales has to travel throughout the spider verse in order to save himself and his family. Yeah. I mean, that's the best, I guess, non-spoiler way to put it. Uh, obviously there's so many different intri- intricacies. Yeah. I don't know what word I'm trying to say. Um, no, I think you nailed it. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's like, it's the classic sequelitis thing of, oh, the first movie you thought was wrapped up with a tight little bow, turns out there was a problem in, in some, it, it spurred some issue for this film that now we have to resolve, but also right. setting up a conflict to finally resolve in the final film. But what I like right. about this film is that it's not like one of those films where the first one's an origin story and now this is like its own movie with just the knowledge of the previous film. Instead, it actually borrows from the previous film. It like, adapts off of that it like uses that as a really great launching pad and actually recognizes that first film and a lot of big key moments mm-hmm. of that first film come into play here while also setting up what this whole trilogy is and kind of like i said earlier like this is i think we're getting the actual thesis of what this trilogy is trying to say from this movie i think but yeah yeah dill um i definitely really liked this movie a lot um I do have some issues with it and they're not okay. really huge. They're just like, okay, I'll just, I'll just say this right, yeah. right here and right now. I, this movie just reminded me entirely too much of no way home. Interesting. Okay. Because of the whole, like, I don't know. I don't want to reveal too much. I don't want to get into our spoilers gotcha. talk, but but that's what that's the blanket statement I'll make yeah. right now. I, I think I see where you're going with this. And I actually think I agree with you in the fact that it brings up a lot of common themes and 
because because in general without spoiling this deals a lot with the iconography of spider-man himself as a character as a property i think even more so as a property in the fact that it literally comments on a lot of what other films do and in a broader lens not just spider-man himself but other superheroes when you see multiple iterations for example bat batman there were two burton movies and there were two schumacher movies and three nolan movies and there was a lego batman and now there's a dceu batman played by ben affleck and there was the original series we've seen so many characters in different installments to where i think this film kind of explores the first film did as well but kind of the iconography of spider-man but also kind of bringing attention to the fact that even if we get these revamps and reboots and all this stuff a lot of the time they still feel like they're still kind of cut from the same cloth in the sense that they reuse a lot of story beats. They borrow a lot of common tropes. And I think honestly, mm -hmm. the reason I love this film so much is I think it kind of commented on that and said, mm. every time we show you this character, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. But I think some of the beauty of no way home was that people were like, wow, instead of aunt, Uncle Ben, it was Aunt May giving the with great power comes great responsibility. But at the same time, it's still the same exact thing we've seen in other iterations. It just happens to be Aunt May instead of Uncle Ben. And I think this film does a good job saying, yeah, no, there's a lot of recycling that goes on. And I think it's an overall broader discussion on corporate filmmaking in general and the fact that you know look at Disney, all these remakes they're making. You know how many remakes actually feel like their own thing. A lot of them don't. I liked aspects of The Little Mermaid, but I think it still feels like the original with a few minor tweaks and a great central casting. But inherently, at the end of it, I want to go back and watch the original. And I think this is kind of commenting on that. And this honestly feels like Lord and Miller, who are the writers on this film, they were the producers of the last one, their mm -hmm. kind of commentary on the state of modern filmmaking and franchise filmmaking and IP in general, saying maybe it's a bad thing that all of these films kind of have the same beats and hit the same kind of drums in a way and i think yeah. that's why this film's brilliant because it's almost kind of like this meta commentary and almost like a, a sh not a shaming of disney and other franchises but almost kind of saying like we as creators should be more creative why do we have to always you know color in between the lines when it comes to a superhero that everyone knows and everyone wants to see something different when andrew garfield was announced it's like we want to see a different spider-man we don't want to see toby's story told again with andrew same as tom mm -hmm. holland and i think that's honestly why i like this film so much is because it does borrow things from the other films but it uses it in a way of commenting on why that can be harmful and i still think the individual spider-man franchises have their own distinct unique qualities but i mm -hmm. do think this film kind of brought to light the fact that a lot of it is the same so why not change it up and i think that's what this whole franchise is setting out to do is to change it up so mm. i agree with you in the fact that it's borrowing stuff but i think it's borrowing stuff to make a criticism about the idea of borrowing stuff um mm. which i think is why I, I and i think that's the thesis of this general franchise in general because we've also seen the multiverse now in so many things we're going to see it in flash we saw it in loki we saw it in doctor strange we saw it in no way home there's so much multiverse stuff we even saw with everything everywhere all at once which is not ip but still and i like mm -hmm. how this kind of uses the multiverse in yet a different way to show how things are connected but also how maybe we can afford to break the the timeline sometimes like it doesn't have to all fit within one vision why can't we have creative freedoms and that's kind of i think what miles represents in this franchise is the creative freedoms that some studios maybe a guy named kevin feige doesn't give some directors for example mm. i don't know i think it's one big meta thing that i really want to dive into and i hope the last one really kind of brings full circle i know i just went on tangents so i'll let you talk now but i that's what i got uh in terms of the overall themes which i think is why i think it's so brilliant but um yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I buy that. I I buy that, I guess. I just feel like they felt too similar that it felt like maybe they're trying to say something like, oh, like Miles Morales is dealing with like kind of the same problems that Tom Holland's Peter Parker was dealing with. Maybe these two things, two situations are going to come to a head eventually kind of thing. But 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 then again, like I I don't even know if they were trying to say that. For me, it kind of sat in like a gray area hmm. where it felt like the MCU creative team and Kevin Feige made No Way Home, and then the production at Sony it, and like Marvel made this movie, and nobody talked to one another about hmm. what they were doing, and it just felt it felt kind of like coincidental like i'm not, i don't think anyone like stole yeah. anything from anyone or anything because you know it's it's still marvel yeah. and, and under you know the in well, the grand scheme of things yeah but it, i don't know it just felt like these two different studios made made the same movie and it was an accident or mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't maybe it was very purposeful i i don't know mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it, it's interesting cause I, I honestly think the first in the spider-verse honestly feels a little more like no way home and the fact that it's Miles needs other iterations of Spider-Man to tell him his place and his worth. Whereas this film mm. more feels like, all right, now that you understand your place and your worth, now the grand hierarchy is trying to tell you, you still have to abide by our rules of what it means to be Spider-Man. You need to, and, and I don't want to get too spoilery, but you need to lose someone in your life. You need to do this. You need to be bit by this spider at this time in this timeline mm. for it all to work. And and I think it's almost like this film is honestly, I think a little at odds with No Way Home and the fact that it's trying to say, why can't we be different with our Spider-Man movies? You know, and I think that's what's so interesting. So I, I, I yeah. agree with both in, in the fact well, that, and I think it's because it came out so close to one another. It's like just the idea of multiple Spider-Man in a movie. Yeah. It's just a lot. You know, it's a lot right now. And, <laughs> and honestly, I feel like the whole arc of like them multiverse specifically in the MCU has just started and I already feel like I'm over it. So maybe right. it's it's just a little bit of that. Yeah. But also um, oh, what was I going to say? Maybe the maybe the third movie, maybe beyond the Spider-Verse, is going to completely change my whole opinion of right. this, uh, you know, ho- change this whole opinion I have because yeah. you know, as, as you know, this movie ended the way that it ended. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's implying that it's implying more of what you said, Dill, where it's gonna, you know, kind of break through the mold of what the classic Spider-Man story should be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I, I, so we'll see yeah. what happens in twenty twenty four. I like to believe, and and I I get it, like it's all Marvel, it's all you know one character, and I, I I'm sure there's some respect i mean they literally borrow clips and things from other movies even including like venom and stuff like they borrow stuff from everything but right it's like one of those things where i think there's secretly i think a little bit of animosity toward <laughs> the whole like studio system to where you think they I, have like beef <laughs> I, I don't know because 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 i think that's the general conceit of the of the show is like or the film is like i, I just feel like there's this kind of like arguing back at like is nostalgia always the best thing or can we have forge new paths and forge new routes and new, you know, horizons? Because remember when they announced that there was going to be another Spider-Man movie about a different Spider-Man that isn't Peter Parker back in 2018. I don't know if you remember this. People were outraged. They said, not Peter Parker, Miles Morales. Who's this? That's not Spider-Man. Miles Morales isn't Spider-Man. I think that was what the first film was accomplishing was showing that anyone could be Spider-Man. 
But even in this film, it feels like it's saying more. It's like, now that we can see that Miles can be Spider-Man, now there's a whole group trying to tell him he has to live, he has to be Spider-Man a certain way. And it's about, and I think this third film is going to be about how Miles tries to really defy that and break against that. And we already see that a little bit in this, at the end of this film is how he kind of uh, combats that. But yeah, um, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think that's one of the criticisms a lot of people have had, Kelsey, is the fact that this is so open-ended and it is a cliffhanger and there's a sure. third one. So we don't really yeah. know, um, but it's kind of like what I said earlier. Yeah. If the dessert, if the dessert subpar, the meat and potatoes and the appetizer were so good that like, I still am very satisfied regardless, but I do agree. Yeah. I think it's one of those Dune things where it's like it ends, but it it's not over, you know? For me, Jill, it was very reminiscent of Endgame, not Endgame, Infinity, Infinity War, War. Mm. when, you know, we end on this huge snap and we're kind of just left with, like, literally the final line of that movie is Cap saying, oh, God. And mm. so we're just left with this, like, hollow feeling in our chest right. of, mm -hmm. like, holy shit, what's going to happen next? And this movie totally did, like, you know, had the same effect over me. Oh, yeah, um, this did feel like like that. The only difference is I think that film, if you look at it as, like, Thanos' story, I think that kind of has closure. Makes it end, more Thanos is final. Finally, yeah, but for the Avengers, I agree. Like, it's like that, it's open-ended for them. But I also yeah. think in that case, we knew Endgame was coming. In this case, we knew Beyond was coming. Originally, this was called Part 1 because the next one was going to be called Across the Spider-Verse Part 2. But then they decided yeah. to just call it something different, which I like because it's like, yeah. if it's a trilogy... You know, the first one's into, the next one's across, the next one's beyond. It makes more sense than into across part one, across part two. It's like, no, just call the third one something else. And I yeah. like that. You know, like, you don't need to call it Mockingjay part two. Just call it something else. <laughs> right, <laughs> just make right. it the second half of the Mockingjay story, you know, uh, or oh, Breaking I, Dawn, you know, so. Yeah. I'll tell you what I did, something that I really liked about this movie, Dale, like, sure. since we're talking about uh, Miles specifically so much, is that so many new people got added into this movie and I don't feel like Miles got lost in the sauce in, in any of it. Like he mm -hmm. didn't get lost in the shuffle. Like he was still able to like stand on his own two feet throughout this film. You know, he's, he's still on the younger side. So he obviously doesn't have it all together and he's, mm -hmm. you know, being a rebellious teen in, in his own little ways. But I just like that, you know, he, he had some really like good moments mm -hmm. and, and, the cast does a great job in, oh, yeah. in, in these movies. I, I wrote down all our all our uh, Marvel crossovers as I oh, do. Please. I forgot yeah. to mention that when we first started. Let's so hear. obviously we have um, our, our big addition to this movie is Miguel O'Hara, voiced by Oscar Isaac, who is now um, obviously Moon Knight in the MCU. And, was, and before that was also in Marvel. He was Apocalypse in X-Men Apocalypse. We can't yes. forget it. We yes. have to remind can't. everyone. Yes, can't, cannot forget Apocalypse. Absolutely. Um, we have an, a, another addition from the MCU, Daniel Kaluuya, who um, obviously p plays um, um, Wakabi in the Black Panther films. Um, he voiced Spider-Punk, a lot of people's walk-away fan-favorite character yeah. from this movie. Yeah. Um, and then up. we had some... And then we, we have another edition but i'll save that for the spoiler section and obviously um oh brian okay. tyree henry came back to voice um yes. miles's dad who plays fastos and eternals yeah and i i know he's not mcu yet but mahersh lali who played blade does reprise uh you know through because obviously we look back at the first movie a lot so there's like 
throw flashbacks to Uncle Aaron, obviously. Mm. Um, so we get him a lot as, as well. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, this cast is so, so good. Um, there's, there's a lot of great... The thing I love about the Spider-Verse movie is like no f- role feels wasted. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of celebrities that pop up in cameos. And this isn't a spoiler because I'm not going to tell you when or where they pop up. But like Jack Quaid from from The Boys, who, who was in the Scream movies, he, he plays the Peter in Gwen's universe. And um, the lead villain of this, not a Marvel name, but is played by Jason Schwartzman, who has such a great iconic mm-hmm. voice. He plays the spot who we'll talk about, I think, is an amazing villain. Andy Samberg is in this um, as, you know, another version of Peter. You know, you got yeah. some great, even Rachel Dratch. <laughs> I, I, wanted yes. to turn, I wanted to turn to you in the movie theater. I, I was like, I wanted to be like, hey, Kels, you know who you would be cast as if you got cast in this movie, right? Because <laughs> she's got the perfect, like, side-eye type thing. Like, give Kelsey another, yeah. like, 20 years. She could play this role. It's, it's the guidance counselor at the school. Marvel Thank has you. a great a great uh, thing with guidance counselors. Miss Marvel had a great one. Here we have a great one. Like, I just love yeah. the guidance counselor role because it's, like, very clearly not in tune with any of the superhero stuff, but so, like thinks they know everything about this kid but we the audience know there's a lot more to this kid but she thinks she's the expert and it's it creates such great comedy in every iteration i've seen it in yeah. any of these like high school things uh taron killam is in this thing josh mm-hmm. keaton who does a lot of the voices for spider-man and different video games and stuff got to reprise his role as like the television series spider-man um just so many great voices and then of course some recycled ones whether it be recycled archival footage like Nicolas Cage or John Mulaney, but uh, Kamiko Glenn comes in to do a few more lines as Penny Parker. We, we literally see every iteration. And then, of course, you all saw it in the trailer. He has a baby now, but Jake Johnson is back as well. So you yeah. know, you're, you're getting everyone. You know, you're getting literally yeah. everyone from the past, one from the present. But I agree. Miles doesn't get lost and Gwen doesn't get lost. And I think Gwen is one of the big highlights of this film as well. Because yeah. this film, we don't we see Miles early, but we don't. Like mm-hmm. we're not in Miles' story till probably a half hour in or twenty minutes. Yeah, in. like it's a whole yeah. twenty minute prologue of just Gwen, and I think yeah. that is also so powerful because now we are literally going across the Spider Verse. We're not just with Miles now. Now it's Miles and Gwen's story, and I think they do a good job in not just telling both of their stories simultaneously, but giving them each moments to shine separately, individually, and then at the end when it's this hitting this big climax cliffhanger. We are not just seeing it from Miles' perspective. We're seeing it from Gwen's as well. And it almost becomes, at the end of the film, kind of Gwen is the propelling event to lead us into the next film. She does something at the end of this film that feels like the catapult into the next one. I, I just love Gwen in this. And I love Haley Stein, yeah. obviously. But so good. So good. No, yeah. 100% to everything you just said, Dill. What, my, I think my favorite part of like the Gwen and Miles moments that we get in this film is how they're is like how they're drawn. I was gonna say how they're shot, but I I guess that works here too. <laughs> uh, but like just when they're having that like super deep conversation when they first you know rekindle their friendship when Gwen first um, finds Miles, they like have a whole conversation sitting upside down, mm-hmm. and they have like these great like faraway uh, shots of like yeah. them drawn sitting underneath like a ledge of a building mm-hmm. and then the whole like city skyline is flipped upside yeah. down because you're, you're looking at it from their perspective yeah and exactly. her hair is is down and her hair is, is yeah and yeah. and they just like yeah you can just do so many cool things it, with animation that you obviously mm-hmm. can't do with with real people and yeah. make it look really good and so the fact <sighs> that they're you know taking advantage of the fact that they can you know make them do all these cr- like crazy things you know and that's why I'll say right now, I think these movies, 
even right now, even though we're on a high with the MCU and No Way Home was a big, big, like everyone loved it kind of, you know, like I've, I've grown less and less in love with it as the movies have gone on. And honestly, after seeing this film, I like it even less. Cause I'm like, mm. it, it literally comments on the problems of No Way Home. It literally co- criticizes it. But yeah. I also think like, honestly, this film, I think is going to, these films in general, this trilogy is going to age so well because the animation is never going to go out of style. You know what I mean? And even if mm-hmm. it goes out of style, there's literally animation in here that is out of style that they put into the new style. You know, like it, it blends so much. You talk about spider punk, totally different vibe from everyone else yeah. in the movie, you know? And I love that. I love that so, so much to where like, I, I think it's the best animation period animation I've seen in a film ever. Like, I really do think it's just probably the most dazzlingly, dazzlingly yeah. drawn stuff. And mind you, this is the longest American animated film ever. American made films, none have been longer than two hours. And this one goes far beyond two hours. And it's usually because, it takes a lot of time to draw for that long or to animate for that long. Right. And, yeah. And honestly, it's kind of why some of the live action stuff looks a little crappy is because they don't have the time to get all the visuals done yet here. The budget is so much lower than these live action films yet. It feels so much higher because every ounce of craft in this thing is so good. And the fact that they're doing it for two plus hours and yeah, it feels a little long just because it is so long, but like I was never bored. And I think it's just so amazing how every time, I look somewhere on screen, there's something to look at that's dazzling or new or fresh or old. And by being old, it feels new and fresh, you know, like it's just yeah. so interesting the way it's animated. I think that's one of the reasons, even if you, people don't like the story or aren't as engaged or don't necessarily aren't necessarily sold by miles story. I think they could still go to the movies and leave it just being awed by the visuals alone. And that'll give it and warrant it a positive review. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and with it being animated, still they have more opportunities to like include a lot more Easter eggs. I found there's a yeah. lot of stuff going on in the background. You know, a lot of things that you can't catch because you can't pause in the movie theater. But you know, once this hits streaming, like people can go frame by frame and find something new right. to to like. Oh, well, that's a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge at that. That's you know, that's oh, that's the guy from the last movie. Like you know what I mean? Like there's all these like little moments. And, and little things to like pick up on, which is something mm-hmm. that I also really liked about the movie is that I love a movie that I can keep going back to and find something like, you know, find something else to laugh at or find something new to look at. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that this is like a perfect example of that. Yeah. And I think with the runtime too, you have moments, we kind of alluded to this earlier. It is very funny, it's very action-packed, but there's a lot of moments where it's just characters talking. Like you said, that beautiful scene on underneath the building or whatever, the you know, the skyline flipped yeah. underneath wide shot. But also yeah. just moments with Miles and his parents. And then Gwen and her dad. Like, there's so much great yeah. drama here. There's a scene mm-hmm. early on, 15 minutes in, I'm crying. You know, between Gwen yeah. and her dad. You know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm a mess already. And it's like... Yeah. And I'm not going to say what happens, but like it's it's actual drama that while it is foreign to us because it's superheroes, it feels still, still so real because the writers just understand how to write young people mm-hmm. and like familial bonds really well. This movie, a lot of the conflict hinges on family more so than it does personal growth. I feel like the last one was all about Miles' personal growth, but this one is more so in order to be Spider-Man, you got to do this and this, and you got to sacrifice this person or that person. And Miles is like, no, absolutely not. But this whole time he's been kind of at odds with his parents. And then he realizes that his parents are the reason why he's not able to conform. And it creates this great conflict at the end. And I'm, I, I'm, yeah. trying, to, I'm trying to dodge the spoilers, but it's like, it's so amazing how like 
we feel like Miles has gone on a full journey 180 with his parents in this film. And half the time he isn't even talking to them, but just the presence of his parents being back home and him being in this alternate spider verse. And just, you know, the stakes are always lingering. And, and I love that. Even if it is open-ended and it ends on a cliffhanger, I still feel like I got a full story, you know, and, and, and that's hard to do, especially for a second film. It always feels like it's a bridge from the first and the third film. And this is, but it still feels complete. Like I would watch this on its own without the first or third and still be completely satisfied, which I think is hard to do, really hard to do. So right, it's really good. Yeah, I feel like with the first movie, a lot of the drama that we got was really just the tip of the iceberg. And this movie was like, we just got the iceberg. Like we, we mm. crashed into the iceberg. We're a sinking ship now because there's just so much more depth and so much more like, there's just like the stakes are just higher in this movie. And that's exactly what, like a sequel should do for, mm -hmm. you know, it should ev everything about the circumstances and the characters should just be elevated. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's exactly what it does for the characters in this movie. And, and like, you're never like, you're never like sitting watching a scene and thinking, all right, but where's the action? Like, when does the, right. when does the action, when's the chase oh, yeah. sequence coming? You know what because, I mean? Like you're just yeah. taking in every moment because, because it's all so brilliant. In this in this universe, a cough or a sneeze is its own action. It's like you'll see cough, sneeze, cough, sneeze. You know, like right. it's so yeah. amazing, and, and that stuff you just can't do with live action. You you could never mm. make this movie live action ever. And I know, yeah. oddly enough, the news for this week was going to be if we did news, and we don't do news for our movie reviews, but the news would have been that they announced they're making a live action Miles Morales movie. I, again, if they just keep it about Miles in Brooklyn, I think it'll be great. But like, mm -hmm. they could never do a Miles Morales in the Spider Verse multiverse movie. Like, and honestly, yeah. I think, like I said earlier, I, I don't. I think this makes No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness and Loki. I think it makes it all look a little weaker in comparison because this film, I think, the, the added element here is not just the story because the story they use the multiverse effectively. But we've seen in other films the multiverse. You know, it, it had something interesting to say in Doctor Strange, even if I didn't love it. You know, Loki, but the visuals you just cannot get every ounce of every universe all at once everything ever all at once is probably the closest thing to doing this mm -hmm. but even then mm -hmm. you can't get everything everywhere all at once yeah. in this sense without it being animated and i think that's the mm -hmm. key to this franchise is the animation because then it allows you to open even more doors and simultaneously it's not like you have to go from universe to universe to universe they can all be there at the same time we're basically spending half this film in miles home planet world universe but then the other half is spent on this like kind of headquarters for all the spider-men in the multiverse and that doesn't feel different in terms of its actual like visual really but it's all the other spider-men in it that kind of make it feel so melting pot you know everything is so different and diverse and amazing that i don't think you could ever do it in with live action which i think is why this is such a successful movie and why i think it'll age really well yeah 100 percent do Another thing with like some of the dramatic moments that we got in this movie is that I feel like they touched on a lot of like important things just to like to who Miles Morales is like as a character, like as like an Afro Latino, um, like growing up in Brooklyn. And they didn't do it in like a finger wagging way or like a, a way that would like make anyone like roll their eyes and ah. Why do they have to do this and this? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look at like, us. We we have diversity and representation. Like, right? It's not like, like that. Yeah. it was like like how you brought up the scene with Rachel Drax's character, the uh, the counselor, and and she's going off in this town tangent about how oh you have to write about you know being raised in an immigrant uh, 
household in in New York and the mom's like I'm barely an immigrant I'm from Puerto Rico like that's the US still territory America yeah. exactly yeah. and so and then you know they bring up the fact that you know the one class that he isn't doing too well in is Spanish and I I feel like just knowing uh getting to know a lot of people in New York who have like Spanish speaking uh parents in in their households and you know them not being fluent in Spanish like that's like a cultural um, you know, disconnect that they have with other people, like their peers, even that are uh, Spanish speakers. And, and it's just like little things like that. And you know what, I, I thought about this, obviously, like, it, we missed a few sentences here and there, if, if you're not fluent in Spanish, but I love the fact that they didn't have subtitles. I'm like, I, I love that choice. Yeah, it's it's a West Side Story thing of Tony doesn't understand Maria's language, but he loves her anyway. And so mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg said, no subtitles and we're going to have them actually talk fluently. Like, I love that choice. I've always loved the choice of, you know, making it just feel like, why do they have to have subtitles? And we don't like, you know what I mean? Like, cause someone who's Spanish speaking may be watching this and not understanding the English. So like, why is it, uh, you know, right. All that stuff. Like it makes it feel more real that way. You know how you would normally just go about life. And another thing I like about the stuff with the parents and stuff too, is, you know, we get a lot of the dad in the first film, but I feel like we got a lot with his mom in this one, which I didn't Mm -hmm. think we got a lot of in the last one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause this deals a lot, like I said, like a lot of plot points hinge on the whole father figure and mother figure thing. And with Gwen and her dad as well. But I I feel like we got a lot of the mom in this one, which was really nice. Um, yeah. And Gwen and the parents, you know, this idea of Miles having this girl where we understand the stakes of Miles and Gwen, but to the parents, it's just this girl, you know? Right. And, and there's there's an extra added bonus to that. And and I honestly, as much as I love the drama of the second half when they actually get to the, the Spider-Man headquarters and everything goes crazy, I actually mm-hmm. kind of preferred the first half only because it was just living with Gwen and Miles in their own worlds because they try to make this parallel about how they're the same you know they they are going through the same things and how he says i'm alone but you know he's not in the fact that you know someone else is sharing that experience and maybe that's another thing where it's like all spider-men are connected in that way you know um yeah and you see it a little bit even with oscar isaac's character even though he's the villain um of this film in a way you know there's a bigger villain obviously jason schwartzman's character but right you know the fact that he also has a loneliness you know the fact that a lot of his own personal stakes hinge on the fact that he is lonely or doesn't have a certain life that he wants, you know? Um, And then the villain itself, we haven't talked about it, but the spot, such a cool villain, not just for the actual emotional stakes. Yeah. Cause, cause I love when, I hate when a villain just thrown in there randomly. I like when a villain actually has connection to the protagonist and here Mm -hmm. it makes total sense. He's hundred percent connected to miles and we'll talk about it. Maybe a little spoilers on how, but also the design of the action and, and the fact that it's kind of funny that he has all these yeah. holes, but then you realize you, you almost kind of feel bad on how he got all these holes to where then you feel scared on what he's going to yeah. do with these holes. I got the full arc <laughs> from him too. And and I know we're going to get even more of the spot in the next film. I love the spot. It's one of the best yeah. comic book villains ever. Like I just, I find very little criticize of this film. It's so good. Um, yeah. What, I, what I will say we were talking, we talked about him a little bit only a little bit because i feel like we didn't get enough of him in this movie but um this might be um, my one criticism you're about to you're about to say oh no my one criticism was i just wanted more peter b parker i wanted more nick miller i wanted more jake johnson my criticism is that i think they forced him too much in this movie that's what i mean like they didn't include him like organically in it like at all 
it felt like uh oh shoot he was so good in the first one but his character had such a complete arc that it's like well how do we do what do we do when a character's art is complete all right we'll give him a kid we'll give him a kid and then like oh right. but we also want yeah. to be involved in the action so like he'll bring the kid with him in the perilous battle and they try to make that a funny thing and it's like is it really that funny or is it just bad parody? Yeah. Um, but it's also like, again, it's an animated movie for kids or whatever, but I'm like, it just felt like they didn't know what to do with him. And yeah, I feel like a lot of the scenes he had with Pete, with Miles, Gwen could have had with him. You know, like it started to become like, right. how did you lie like, to me? How could, really... you, how could you not, you know, all this stuff? And it's like, Gwen could have had these scenes with him. You know, and I think the movie from the very get-go has very much been about Miles and Gwen, where I feel like it would have been nice for right. him to join into the fun, but not necessarily be like a giant, point of plot or make him a giant point of plot from earlier on you know what i mean um yeah i don't know i agree i, I just think they could have integrated him better or just minimalized his role and made him more of a cameo like they did with penny p parker and uh spider ham and uh spider noir to where yeah. like the next one maybe they can have bigger roles but like here it's like that's not the focus you know um and i yeah. felt and he also tried to be like talking to Oscar Isaac's character, like they had a history when we never established that. Like he was the one part where I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if they executed it well, but he's great yeah. as an actor. So no, I agree. Person. And I, I love Jake Johnson. I could watch that man literally in anything. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just wanted more of him or I wanted him to be, I don't know, the bit, the chunk that we got of him should have felt, you know, more yeah. natural. Um, but I think, I really only have one more. Sorry, my notes are all over the place. That's but right. I do want to go back to what I was saying before about how they were able to include all this great stuff yeah. without, you know, getting preachy on us. Mm. Um, and then I think we could probably go into spoiler talk. Yeah, because there's a really few things I think we have to talk about spoiler yeah, specific. And, and, for sure. and it goes into our criticisms we've had of other things, but it's more to just clarify what we mean. Yeah. Yeah. But so I loved how they used all these different <clears throat> spider people that we met to kind of really, you know, show some, you know, really inclusivity here. So one of the first spider uh, people that we meet is a spider woman voiced by Issa Rae. Mm -hmm. um, and she's pregnant. She's fully pregnant. They have a whole moment, her and Gwen, about this. And I just thought that that was super interesting to, like, you know, showcase this woman who's still doing a, a badass job at being right. spider woman and is mm. you know fully like she's visibly pregnant like she has to be at least like seven or eight months pregnant oh, yeah. um so i thought that was that was mm, chef's kiss um they also have a spider person in a wheelchair and they even have like a fun little quip about it i forget what it was and i don't want to butcher it and say something offensive so i'm not gonna try um but i i just thought that that was great that they included you know um a handicapped person as spider uh, as a spider man or woman um and yeah those are the only two that i that i remember it from from seeing this movie once but i'm sure there's so many more spider people that is just like yeah anyone can be spider-man any doesn't matter your yeah. you know ability or what you look like or what you identify as like you can you can be a spider person hell yeah um, um so any very final like broad general like thoughts before we get into spoiler territory we'll give our rating at the very end after spoilers to tell you like exactly our number rating but any last general yeah. thoughts where should we proceed? well I, I some of the critiques that i have 
are have to do with spoilers. So cool. Let's so we'll get, get into it. it. Yeah. So uh, we're 40 minutes in. We're going to transition to spoilers at the 40 minute mark. So I can tell you exactly in the description that 40 minutes is spoiler talk. And then right after spoiler talk, if you just fast forward to the end, we'll give our like very last, like, do we recommend it? Which it seems like we've all do. And then what our score is. Um, but we're going to transition into spoilers in about 10 seconds. I'm trying to do this. <laughs> so it's like a, a very clean cut watermark. No, yeah. Um, Love it. Or time, time code, but I'm going to put the spoiler banner on the bottom now, and we're getting into spoilers. All right. So, um, yeah, I think there's yeah. a few spoilers we can talk about in, in the sense of where this kind of leaves off and, and just the general conflict um, yeah. being, you know, obviously the spot being this like creation of the last film and the fact that like he's literally made up of all these interdimensional yeah. portals and stuff. But then also the major conflict being the fact that Miles was bit by a spider from a different dimension. And now, right. because that spider kind of didn't bite that Peter, right. there's no Spider-Man that exists in Miles' original world. And we see that at the end when Miles ends up going back home, but it turns throws him into a world where there is no Spider-Man, a world without Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't exist. And basically, his dad did die like the captain dies in the uh, narrative. And mm-hmm. Miles is now alone without a Spider-Man. Turns out because there was no Spider-Man in his universe, he became the, um, what's it called? The, um, oh, help me out. Um, what did he become? The, what? The uh, the Prowler. He became the Prowler, which is oh, Uncle Aaron was in his own world. He ends up becoming right. the Prowler in this like, alternate universe. Yes. Uh, but then Gwen finds out that the captain doesn't always have to die because her father decided to resign, showing that you can change the timeline and everything proceeds as yeah. normal so now we got a lot of interesting things to chew on as we go into the next one but what were your take takes on like this whole big twist at the end because i i think we both realized it and the people behind us in the movies realized it at the same time where we we're like yeah where she where she's like spider-man who's spider-man and then you're like oh shit, yeah. spider-man doesn't exist in this universe and then yeah. i mean and then it just all clicks and everyone in the audience and miles at the same time all realize we're like oh shit spider-man doesn't exist in this universe i thought it was such a cool moment for everyone yeah. in that moment uh, in the theater. Um, but thoughts on like all the spoilery, the, the big plot stuff twists. So one of my complaints about this movie deal is that they didn't do a great job at convincing me that Oscar Isaac wasn't going to be the big villain at the end. Not the big villain, because I guess the bigger villain is yeah. the spot, but like, you know, someone that we shouldn't trust. Like, I feel like mm. that was very clear from the get go. Right. And I well, wasn't really tricked into like, oh, he's going to help Gwen or, or something, you know, like his vibe is very off putting from the beginning. And I don't yeah. know. I, I, I don't know. It just I, felt like yeah. I know where we're headed with this guy, yeah. I which think- I didn't love two things one being of course i'm one of those suckers who's like oh i was in the trailer there's a shot of them fighting like him chasing miles in the in the trailer where i was like Mm. oh so there he's gonna be like an antagonist of sorts but also i think i wouldn't necessarily say he's like not trustworthy it's just i i think in his mind he's like everything has to be according to plan you have to be bit by this spider you have to let this person die this person has to be the captain whatever I, I, I don't necessarily think that's a I, 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 it's definitely an antagonistic force to Miles but I, I kind of like yeah. that because I don't think I, I kind of feel bad for him because he's honestly just trying to keep things in order but he's mm-hmm. if anything it's ignorance you know it's ignorance to the whole concept and I think that's kind of what I was talking about earlier when I said how much I liked it and how much it commented on the other Spider-Man movies it almost feels like he's a stand-in for like 
the corporate boss who's like, no, but Spider-Man has to have the no power, no responsibilities talk. He has to lose an Uncle Ben. He has to do this and do this. And I feel like yeah. Miles is the the POV of the director who's like, but I just want to make my own story. And I love, mm. love that. And I think Oscar Isaac, that's why I love that character. But I agree. Like, you definitely know from the get-go that he's going to be an opposing force of some sort. He's not yeah. as cool as as it makes it out to be. But I also thought that of a few characters. I thought that of um, Daniel Kaluuya's Spider-Punk too. But he ends up being one of the more hero heroic figures. You know, yeah. I thought he was going to be someone to turn or something. But he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because he kind of gets introduced as kind of this like opposing force to Miles. Like, right, oh, Miles Gwen's been hanging. Who's Gwen's exactly like Gwen's been hanging out with him. She left his jacket at his at his place or whatever. Um, so you're kind of just like, oh no, like, is this going to be the love triangle that we don't want yeah. between Miles, Gwen, and um, is it Hobie? Do you pronounce Hobie. the H or is yeah. it Obi? Okay. Hobie. Um, but he might pronounce it Obi because he's British, but Hobie, yeah. Yeah, he's got that Cockney accent going on. <laughs> um, but he just turns out to be this like anarchist that's like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, Yeah, and then he dips so out, he, which yeah, I he assume kinda, he'll be back. He's like, but... I quit. No, I really, I think he will be because I think, like I said, he turned out to be a, a fan favorite of everyone. But mm. yeah, most of, and I just feel like even the whole, getting back to Oscar Isaac, I feel like even, you know, Miguel O'Hara's whole backstory that we got seemed like, he's like, oh, I'm I'm the way I am because I tried to beat the system. And it just felt like very rushed. And it's like, you are in it, uh, I don't know, but um <laughs> What was I going to say? Oh, he's just someone, you know, he's, he's for the greater good kind of guy. Mm -hmm. He's like, we, like, we have to do this by, we have to get to the end result by all means necessary kind of thing. Even if it means like your, your father's going to die. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, but so in that sense, it, it felt a little predictable, but I did say not including the two main plot twists that happened, which was when we find out about the spider 42 and the prowler. But what I will say about the spider and about spot, the spot in general is that I kind of wish, like, I, I appreciate the fact that he was like, you know, from this guy from like the first movie. And, you know, he ended up being the way that he was because of the events that played out at the end of that movie with that, you know, laser mm -hmm. kingpin thing that was yeah, underground the, uh, whatever i have the name whatever for that too called. It's, it's called the collider the collider the collider um but i just wish that they i don't know i just wish that this was a more um recognizable character that we could pick out and be like oh my god that's that guy from the movie because like they did show us some yeah. like because he's not him, in like, the last movie. He's it, it's more so the events of the last movie made him the way he was. He wasn't like a pre-existing character or anything. Right. But I wish that's what I'm saying. Like I wish, wish he it had was. been. Yeah. Because, you know, it would have just it would have been cool for them to be like, wow, they really planned this well, out. Yeah. This could be something also in the I, I always thought it could be cool in the third movie to find out it's like really his roommate that he stole the Jordans from or something like that's the guy who, who grew up to be the scientist that would be turned in. I don't know. Um, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. But I don't I think don't that, I don't, I don't think that kid's old enough to be the scientist. Right. But, but it's a different universe. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think of ways they could later tell us it's someone we knew or right. maybe it's not, I don't know. Oh. Or, or he was like one of Kingpin's. I don't know. I don't know. Right. But I agree. So, like it's just kind of a random addition of someone who we don't know already. So it's like, yeah, I, get I just, it. I, I always like 
where movies like kind of lose me sometimes is when like a person has to say so much exposition for us to figure out like who they are and and what mm-hmm. they're doing. Like it's me, the guy from the last movie who you didn't realize got stuck by the collider. And now you made me like this. Yeah. Like, I just feel like he had to do so much explaining for us to be like, to us to like, for us to like care about him, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, I just fair. wish that it was a more of like a, holy shit, that's the guy from, like, the post-credit scene or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, like, something yeah. really quick. You know, that that's definitely valid. I, I also think they didn't know if the first one would be a hit, so they didn't even know if they'd make a sequel. So, like, sure. I don't think anything in the first film indicated there needed to be a sequel, except for, like, the very end where she's like, hey, want to come along or whatever, Miles, want to yeah. play or whatever. But it's also, yeah. like, one of those things where that could just be your ending because then it shows the multiverse goes on. Whereas here right. now, I think they knew we're getting a third so they could set up things. So, like, it could have been just like, a, oh, let's introduce a spot and let's just make it that he was affected by last film. Because then also we, the first film, like I was saying, isn't just an origin story. It also has a big effect on this film. Like I like, I hate when like they'll make a sequel and then like, it's kind of like the first film didn't really matter. Like mm. I'm, I'm trying to think of an example and there's really not an example I can pull from, but it's like the story's going on. But yeah, like the first film is how we got here, got the character established, but this is really its own story here. It felt like it was a continuation of the last one in that sense, you know? I mean, this might be too, uh, I don't know. This might be not a great example, but I feel like the jump between Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home is sure drastic. But that's, you know, that's the MCU. That's because so many movies happen in between those two. So, but, but I get what you're saying. um, And then with the spider, that was a really cool twist because while he was doing like the whole, and this whole sequence in general, when we get to the HQ and they're talking about like, oh, we're this elite force that makes sure the multiverse stays in line. And then when we capture things that are not supposed to be here, we send them back to different places. I'm like, that's the plot of No Way Home. You just said the plot of No Way Home. So True. that was like the one point where I was like, okay, so this is Spider-Man No Way Home. Now I'm just watching the same movie, but animated version, I guess. Um, but, you know, it turns into something else and it's going to be, and it was better, in, in my opinion, than No Way Home. But yeah. when he's- Oh, when this he's is doing, better, yeah. Yeah. And when he's doing the whole sequence to like send himself home and he's, you know, they analyze his blood, he gets in the thing. And then um, I believe it's Amanda Stenberg's character mm-hmm. who's, the who's avatar, like the avatar yeah. spider mm-hmm. spider bite i think the name is yeah. but bite like byt like yeah. gigabyte anyway yeah, yeah. cool name cool cool name who by the way happy pride month was gay because she was doing her little tinder swiping and it was all women so happy pride month um and you know she kind of has this moment between her and, and miles where she you know helps him out because she doesn't reboot the system she lets him go home and in, and in, the, in my brain, in my pee, pee-wee little two brain cell brain, I thought, <laughs> huh, but the spider is from a different place. Which, by the way, when we found that out from Oscar Isaac, when he's yelling about him, you were never supposed to be Peter Parker. That spider wasn't even from your dimension. My heart was breaking. I'm breaking. Because Miles Morales loves being S- Spider-Man. And yeah. it just felt like something that he no, always should have been doing. And I was like, mm-hmm. now you're just being mean. And now I'm my heart, I well, feel yeah. sad. And again, it's a commentary on all the people who said, I don't want a black Spider-Man. It's the exact mm. same thing. It's such a meta thing of like, 
why not? Like, what's the problem? Like, why can't yeah. there be more than one Spider-Man? Why does it have to be one guy who's bit by a spider, you know? Um, yeah. And that's why I love this film so, so much. But I, I agree with you. Um, I, I didn't see it coming uh, where, I, like, my my one brain cell didn't think that far <laughs> down. Um, I, I, I thought there was going to be a world. When I saw Uncle Aaron come through, I was like, oh, interesting. Is this just, like, a world where, like, did did the dad already die? Like, I, it was so confusing almost where I was just kind of confused. Which is right. The point. This- um, this whole sequence was so cool because the entire time you think that Gwen and Miles are in the same place. Like she's yeah. right outside his bedroom window and he's in his bedroom doing the whole confession to his mom. She's like, he's like, I I'm Spider-Man. Like, this is, you know, something that I really want to tell you. Um, and then they turn out to be in two different places when she goes, so good. what? Who's Spider-Man? Oh, so um, good. Oh, so good. And like, at first I thought it was like a funny bit because like the mom is just not really, into right, like, like pop culture who? you know yeah, yeah yeah like when whenever you bring up a name of someone like taylor's just now dating so-and-so and it's like who um sorry right. not to open wound <laughs> um, listen it's fine i like thing, things like that you still know like, reeling from the concert things like that where it's but then it goes further and uncle aaron walks in and you're like oh shit oh oh shit yeah um, and that's when it all started to come I, I just think it's such a good cliffhanger and i know it's like a part yes. one so it, it feels incomplete yes but like I think that's a perfect spot to end it because I knew yes. this was part one because like obviously it used to be marketed as that and now it was just regular across the spider but I knew there's another one coming and just naturally you would think you know if it's two movies they're probably gonna make a third but like I was wondering when they would stop it I was like when are we gonna get the whole like right break and and it kept going where I was like it's still not happening it's still oh, oh okay oh, okay and then it yeah. finally happened I was like okay <laughs> um and then like I said earlier like I love how Gwen is like the final beat we see where she organizes a team of the new heroes we just met and the old heroes we met um, yeah including also who we haven't really mentioned much uh, of and that is um uh the the kid from oh my gosh I, I like have to look up the names um uh pa- Pavatir pa- um Prabhakar from um Moombatten, uh, Moombatten, um, you know the the guy with the hair. <laughs> I love yeah. him too, and I, I love the guy who's like, it's so yeah. easy being play- Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, played by the same actor who plays Debesh in the Deadpool movies, the the driver. Um, so oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, nice. it's really cool. I, like I love this new team, but I also was like, oh, but I'd love to see John Mulaney back. And then they like show you the whole team at the end, and I yes. love how it's kind of. Again, it's culminating everything, building to this next finale. And the finale, I think, is it's going to feel like a finale of sorts. But I do think splitting it up into two movies now, I think people will be even more excited for the third one. Whereas they could have released this as like a three-hour epic movie. But I kind of yeah. like how we're getting two movies to where we could just have as much Spider Verse as possible. I really, I'm becoming less and less cynical of the whole one part or two parter because it just means more, you know. Um, it's no, that bad. Yeah, it's good. You know, I never, I never was mad i was like there was like i w- it's not like i was bored but like i said we were we saw this movie very late it's now creeping 2 a.m it's creeping around the corner i'm looking at my phone i'm like oh my god they have so much to resolve it's almost two in the morning like how much longer yeah. is this gonna go on for yeah. and then the to be continued and i was almost kind of relieved i was like oh my god we don't have to sit here for like the act three right. finale but now i'm just so excited that like it's gonna be like a its own feature basically this whole you know second chunk of this of mm. this story and I the prowler it. reveal was so cool That's what i was just gonna bring up because it's like so cool in a world where he doesn't become spider-man maybe he follows a dangerous path that his uncle led and right it, 
it leads to him being the prowler yeah i, I thought that was so so good um yeah just so many interesting smart choices such a great great film like i, I just i love it so, yeah. so much um and, and i love the the opening too with the gwen and her dad and how like he has to basically fight between doing the right thing for the law and and then also um you know sticking up for his daughter and and at the yeah. end you see him kind of defy the canon of the story and basically go against that um and yeah. that kind of show gwen that it's okay to go back for miles and like you know things don't have to necessarily be as it is um which which i, I also love you know it, it, i it's, can't believe it. he was going to arrest his daughter like he was yeah. like put, put he even after the reveal he was like well, put your hands in the air. And yeah, I don't the right to like, remain silent. And he starts reading the Miranda laws. And you're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, yeah. dude, that's your daughter. Like what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Another reveal that we haven't talked about yet was our Donald Glover reveal at the Spider-Verse HQ as yeah, literally his name is MCU Aaron Davis. And he's, he's the uh, Aaron Davis just, yeah. just chilling there. His, his, he, in the movie, he says he mentions his nephew Miles, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, yeah." He's like, <laughs> and, I, he's yeah. like, "I have a nephew in the area. Like, I wanted to be safe, you know." And so, I guess that's a version of him that then we haven't met yet, because that version in Homecoming, you know, is probably not the bad guy, because you mm -hmm. know he ends up not buying the crazy weapons, and he just says, like, oh, you know, I want this place to be a safe place for my nephew. Um, so that's probably a different, uh, a multiversal. Um, MCU Aaron Davis, but that was yeah. super cool, super unexpected. Had no yeah. idea that was happening. Did you know that and was going to happen? I did not. I I knew I I had a feeling, and I I knew it wasn't going to be Toby and Andrew because they just did that. But I knew we were going to get some sort of live action something. And at first, mm. I thought it was just um the uh Peggy Lou sequence where where uh what's her name the Mrs. Chen the character is Mrs. Chen where it goes into live action the spot is yes. like talking to Mrs. Chen from Venom you know who runs yes. a convenience uh, store I thought that was yes. it and then when they bring Donald Glover into him like oh that makes sense because I feel like that was something the MCU wanted to do but then they didn't get the rights to Miles so they just kind of dropped the idea altogether and didn't have him in any more movies um sure. and now this was their way of like saying oh we can finish up on a little bit of the arc that was kind of promised and like that's your little nod to the mcu fans i don't know if it's ever going to come to fruition because sony owns uh miles disney doesn't but again we could see anything happen venom was in no way home so it really could you know anything could happen and i'll say this movie because of the laws it establishes and the idea of the cannons and all that stuff and all the interconnectivity I think it makes Morbius better too. Cause at the end when we were like, why the fuck is Michael Keaton showing up? His Spider-Man is not even the same. What? Now it actually right. makes sense. <laughs> you know? Right. And Vulture is one of the main villains of the first act of this film before spot. It's, it's Vulture. So. Yeah. <laughs> and they did have a, a little Morbius dig. He said something about um, like, Oh, a, a vampire, like imagine that or something like yeah, right? when he, when I he first it. saw that Miguel was going to like mm -hmm. bite into the vulture they were fighting at the beginning of the movie. Um, but, um, yeah. Oh, what, what else was I going to say? We just were add one out. more Easter egg. Uh, there's a quick shot where they go through like what looks like uh, an homage to the visuals of the tentacle arms or whatever, and and you hear mm -hmm. uh, Alfred Molina's voice saying "Hello, Peter." Hello, Peter. Uh, which I love. Uh, there was also voiceover yes. uh, from, and and this is now the only person to play the same role in live action, uh, Toby's trilogy, 
uh, Tom's trilogy in the MCU and animated, and that is J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons. Or yes. Um, as yes. soon as his voice started, I went, oh, my God. And you looked at me, you're like, what? <laughs> I was like, it's Oh, him. yeah. Um, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. so good. Um, yeah, so again, um, such a great voice cast. Love it. Also, Jill, what I loved about um, the Venom moment when he's in the bodega talking to Mrs. Chen, he's like, you're acting like this is not the weirdest thing you've ever seen. And she just gives him this blank stare of like, no, this is not the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like Eddie Brock is like my, you know, lives upstairs or whatever. So it was just Mm. like this brilliant moment of comedy um, that I greatly appreciated. And I I, feel like... I feel like not everyone in our audience got it. Like, I feel like if we went to like what a, a more traditional like opening night crowd, yeah. I feel like that moment would have been like, oh my god! It's, it's sad because there's so many showings, regular showings, but then there's like a Dolby and an IMAX every two hours, and we yeah. wanted to do the IMAX originally, and then we we're like, it's eleven forty-five the IMAX, which means the movie wouldn't have started till twelve oh five, which means it wouldn't have right. ended till two forty-five. Whereas here it was like, all right, we're starting at eleven, which means we'll start the movie at 11 20 which means we'll be out of here probably around like 1 30 1 40 and that's what it was um which was a yeah. little bit better it was it was just saved us a whole 40 minutes or whatever which granted it might have been more fun to see it in a packed imax because i do think it would have been a more energetic screening there were only like five yeah. five other groups of people in our screen there was like two there two there two behind us four in the back but it's like yeah you know that that's just the movies in general like you're always gonna have a different experience based on your crowd and based on where you sit we saw the full view whereas some of these marvel movies were sitting front like front where we have to look up like guardians we were looking up the whole time like it just depends on the experience but i, I still enjoy this yeah. experience and i think everyone did enjoy it and um it's just such a good movie and i i, I have little to critique only because I think a lot of the criticisms I may have, I think it's like the third film will clarify, you know, yeah. especially even with the spot. Like, I think we could get more from him in the next one too, where there's a lot of open-endedness here. And I think that's the one thing I might ding the film on. But again, when looking at it as a series, it will probably make a lot more sense and it'll probably be a lot stronger. I think in tandem with the others, especially, but um, yeah. Any other spoiler thoughts? And I, and I, and I feel like I, even the things that I, I criticized were really real, real nitpicky. Like the, oh, yeah. these movies, these movies, these Spider-Verse movies, make, I always like walk away these past few times I've, I've seen these movies and I just wish, I'm like, damn, this is everything I wish the MCU like could be. Like I wish the yeah. MCU hit like this every single time. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they, they obviously just don't. And I'm just like, fuck these movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, these are the one thing Sony yeah. has over us. Are these just, damn so Spider Verse yeah, so movies, good. and they're and, and they're so good. Yeah, and and again, uh, Lord Miller, who are the production team behind this, they finally wrote this one. I think the last one they produced, but you know, they've done some of the best like meta, like kind of you. They use IP in such an interesting way. They were the ones who made the Lego Movie and the Lego Batman Movie. They made uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They made Twenty One Jump Street. Like they. They have such a good comedy uh, background. Uh, Mitchell's Rooster Machines was them. Um, but, you know, they, they, like, have just such a good grasp on, like, what works, but also, like, what doesn't work. And sometimes, in this sense, what worked, but is getting a little stale. And I think, like I said, this kind of makes No Way Home worse, which I, I don't want to diss another film in favor of this one. But I think it's kind of put in sure. perspective that No Way Home, a lot of people loved it because it was nostalgic. And it was the other Peters telling them, you need to go through this, Tom, to evolve. You know, you need to go through this and we can mm-hmm. fix these villains. I love that aspect, but it's also like, you know, 
Aunt May needed to be his his Uncle Ben. But then again, it's like this film shows that you don't even need an Uncle Ben. You don't need anyone to die for like Miles can be Spider Man just the way he is, you know. Right. Um, and and like you said earlier, you feel bad for Miles because it's like he just has fun, you know. Uh, there are great moments yeah. where he's just having fun as Spider Man. You know, I love the scene with him and his dad afterward, where he's trying to like give his dad parenting advice when he's talking about himself, but he's like trying to be funny and goofy. Like I love those moments too. So. I, I don't think it makes No Way Home bad, but I definitely think it makes No Way Home weaker because it, I think, comments on a lot of the issues of No Way Home and just modern filmmaking in general. The Flash is going to do the same thing. They're bringing back Michael yeah. Keaton. Um, you know, like, it's it's recycling a lot of old stuff. And I love Michael Keaton. Don't roll around. I mean, like, that wasn't a Michael Keaton jab. That was more of a, we're bringing back the same stuff because we don't have any new stuff to tell. It's like, we have to keep recycling right. the old shit. Um, you know, oh, we need Toby yeah. to also tell Tom. With great power comes great responsibility. Whereas here, it's like, yeah, we need that because Miles is and his we, own person, his own character, and I love. That. And we did get some shots of Toby and Andrew in this movie. Yes, we did. We got like hologram yeah. shots of Andrew holding uh, his uncle, or no, uh, Captain Stacy, and then we got like yes. in little spheres shots from the movie, the Raimi Spider-Man with him and yes. Jeff Robertson's Uncle Ben, which was cool. Yeah. Um, but again, didn't need to overindulge either. Like, I would have mm -hmm. loved to see just in, in a background shot, and maybe it exists where like you have like bully Toby Maguire like doing the clap and dance or whatever. <laughs> I think they did that in the first Spider-Verse, like in the montage of the the here's yeah. who i am um oh uh, we again, forget like, that this happened yeah, yeah. but like I, I i don't know i i i really like it it it's not a film that needs its nostalgia to be good it's a film that's good and has nostalgia and cameos and references it's not good because of them and i think that's the best type of nostalgic movie making especially with the multiverse go there Doctor Strange, there was one sequence where they were going through the multiverses. Otherwise, they spent most of it in one universe and most of it right. in another. Here, we spent it's, it's not necessarily so many different universes, but just so many different universes pulled into one singular universe. And that might yeah. be the way to do it. Pull a bunch of different multiverses into one place rather than go to a bunch of different places. I don't know. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Any other spoiler things that you want to talk about before we give our final thoughts? No. Let's cool. uh let's reveal those scores, Dill. What'd you give it? Or do you, you want start. me to go first? Yeah, you start. Okay. Um, I give this movie an eight out of ten. Solid. Is this better or worse than the last one for you? Oh, um uh, sorry to put you on the spot if you didn't think about that. Um oh another thing that we didn't mention that we really liked, or at least I really liked, was the soundtrack, obviously. Oh yeah. I'm I mean big, the music in the I'm soundtrack. A big fan so, so good. Of, yeah, you were bopping in your seat. So good. I was oh I was bopping. I was jamming. <laughs> I was having I was having a little bop. Um Um I don't know. The first one is like so good and so wholesome and like you'll never like I will never experience a, a movie the same way like i experienced that movie i'll never be able to recreate that magic um Did you see that one I, in theaters um into the spider-verse yeah um because no, it was I like right after so. you had because I, I was gonna say i think you started the mcu right before that because you had watched all of Inf up to infinity war because Ant yeah. Man and the wasp came out in august i think of 2018 or july so it was and then Spider-Verse came out in November, so it was a few months after you caught up with the MCU. I wasn't sure. Um, I, I don't think I saw that one in theaters. Yeah, I actually well, think I watched that one in my basement for the first time. Um, well, go ahead. I was going to say. Uh, gonna uh, more, but... Don't make me pick between my children. Well, um, that's the thing. I, I don't think you can. Well, this kind of goes into my score segues. Is I don't think you can say what's better yet until we get the third one. And I'll tell you right okay. now, if the third one sticks the landing, then I think this whole Spider-Verse is a 10 out of 10. But yeah. I think until we get the ending, 
This is sitting at a nine, a high nine. The last okay. one for me was also a nine because I really think that I, I think the last one's a more complete story. But I think once we get the last one, these three films will be maybe my second favorite trilogy of all time, only behind the before trilogy by Richard Linklater. Like, I think this is going to be my second favorite trilogy ever if the third one can stick the landing. If the dessert is as good as the entree and the appetizer were, we're going <laughs> to have the. I, I can't imagine anything better. Um, I'm going to be stuffed to the brim. Yeah. So like, I really do. And, and my girl, Haley Steinfeld, I have such a crush. I'm like, I love her. <laughs> so, um, and, and spoiler, she may be dating Josh Allen, which is super cool. You're dating the Buffalo Bills quarterback. Um, Whoa. But I saw someone make a joke. <laughs> it's an awful joke. Uh, this will, will close this out. Uh, but yeah, nine out of 10. Uh, love it. Um, and if the last, if the last one's great, this is going to be a 10. Um, if not my favorite movie of the year, then my second or third. Um, but, I I saw a joke because the whole joke is that the Buffalo Bills have never won a championship, right? So yeah. they were all joking. They said, Haley Steinfeld, don't expect a ring anytime soon because he, he can't win championship rings. Anyway, yeah, that is I get it. episode. That I is, get that it. Is, that is Across the Spider-Verse. I can't wait to go beyond. Uh, next week, you guys will not see us. Um, at least you will not see this show because we are going to be away. I am going to be doing a personal endeavor for my career. Kelsey will be going on vacation, um, but we will be out of state and we don't want to podcast. You don't want to see Kelsey. I mean, you may want to see us podcast from different locations, but we don't want you to see us. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like, we're going to enjoy our time. You know, you, you don't want to see a podcast where Kelsey's, you know, hanging out in Florida when she could be doing so many other cooler things in Florida. You don't want to pod see me podcast from some Detroit movie set. You don't want to see it. So um, we will be back in two weeks with something. We don't know what yet. We still have to decide. And then the week after that, the last week of June, we will bring you a title match where this one will go up against Stacy. It is official. Stacy is the victor. Oh, yeah. And Stacy's the number one contender. There will be a number. Uh, there will be a title match this year. Uh, a girl on girl match, which has been Stacy's goal this whole time. I believe it's been Kelsey's goal uh, for a while to just have more girl on girl matches. Uh, a woman will yeah. hold the belt. A woman will hold the belt uh, no matter what, which is really really cool. And it's a great heel versus face matchup. But uh, Stacy's even said she's so excited that it's a, a woman versus a woman that she may drop the whole act entirely because she's like she's so excited. Sorry, that's behind the scenes stuff. Never mind. Dark Phoenix. Oh. I didn't say that. Um, sorry. sorry. I didn't uh, yeah. hear anything. No, it's okay. Uh, Kelsey, where else can they find you though? Uh, until then, if they if they um, if they have that void of Kelsey in their life where they need to see something, uh, because you won't be here next week and I won't be here next week, where can they find you? Then you can definitely check. You can definitely check out my TikTok. It's cause thirteen k o z thirteen, or you can follow me on Instagram, Kelsey A Kilpatrick. Cool. And I was gonna say that's a cool shirt. Have you ever worn that one here? Yeah, I've worn it oh. a few times. I, I've never but, actually like gotten to like look at it, but it's got, got them all it, in there. Is Spidey is, on uh, there? Um, yeah, for sure. He's somewhere. All I, <laughs> I know say, is I, that I have oh, my Modoc. classic. I got Modoc. Yeah. I, I have the classic Spider-Man pointing at one another meme. Oh, sure. nice! That's yeah. a good one. Oh, Spidey's yeah. right here. There it is. Um, you can find me at Dylan underscore Redazzo on Twitter for Dylan Redazzo four one seven at TikTok and the Dill Pickle Movie Network on YouTube. Even though I'm going to be out of town for two weeks, I still will have programming of some sort that I've pre-taped, including a uh, few videos for my retrospective series, the 2013 retrospective, and hopefully a few more videos. I'm trying to get a few reviews filmed that I could just like put out there, including maybe one for The Little Mermaid, if you guys are interested in that, because I have thoughts. 
I'm I'm interested. Um, But I definitely, there's one big plus in that movie, and it is Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey, innocent, but didn't like the film. So you'll find out why. Um, Everyone, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye.